0: Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am, Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather together to kiki in God's name. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and today I'm joined by fellow Catholic Patrick Flores. Now, Patrick, you might have seen his work already online because Patrick is part of not only the leadership team, but one of the founding members of Vine and Fig, which is this really awesome online community for queer Catholics like myself. I've been uh, trying to be as much involved with Vitamin and Fig as possible over the years because it really is such a wonderful place, a safe space for a lot of us who have felt neglected by the church and just felt isolated because of these antiquated policies that the church has continued to pretty much implement. So I'm excited to welcome Patrick to not only talk about the work that he's doing, the advocacy work, but also his own interesting journey because it is uh, not one that you might typically hear with regards to to somebody who's still attached to the church. So Patrick, thank you so much for joining me here on Queer I Am Lord.
1: Absolutely. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me and congrats on the new show.
0: Thank you. So I want to let the listeners know, full disclosure, so Pat and I have worked together on and off over the past few years, especially with the introduction of Vine and Fig. Yeah. Um, So for our listeners who are just now even getting a sense as to what this organization is and kind of what you've had a chance to do over the past few years, give them a little taste.
1: Yeah. So Vine and Fig is a queer Catholic organization that is uh, unabashedly and full-heartedly affirming of queer identities and relationships. And one of the things that we really set out to do was not try and argue with the church, not try and argue with other Catholics, just basically display, show, tell stories about our lives, what it's actually like to be a, a queer Catholic. And so Skip, the 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 phase of trying to justify our lives, and just say we we know that we're we're good people. We know that like there is divine beauty in our lives and in our relationships and in our identities, and we want to share that with the church. So a lot of that is um, allowing queer Catholics to tell their own stories, to uh, give updates on what their you know lives are like. But then also we realized that within the church there's not a lot of places for queer Catholics to gather together. Often, you know, we're we're fired from from Catholic schools, uh, from Catholic ministries, and it's not usually a safe space to, uh, or even allowed uh, to gather within church spaces as queer Catholics. And so we wanted to at least allow that to to happen in, um, online, even if we can't often do it within. Church facilities, and so there's also a community aspect to Vine and Fig, where queer Catholics from literally all over the world can can join and tell the, or share their stories with one another and and learn from each other. Really,
0: talk about the origins of the name itself, because I think that's kind of important to understanding like why this is particularly named what it's named for the for the mission that it has.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a uh, an odd name, a bit of an obscure scripture reference. It comes from Micah 4.4, 4, um, which talks about uh, every person finding peace under um, a vine and fig branch, uh, which is kind of a biblical reference to uh, kind of peace and, and serenity. And that's how we imagined um, our, our future place within the church. We know that often for queer Catholics, it's not um, the most peaceful experience to, to stay a Catholic. And so we wanted it to, to be kind of an aspirational, uh, goal for, for Catholics within the church, but then also hopefully being able to find some refuge with each other by coming together and, and hearing each other's lives and realizing that you're not alone. You're not the only person who, is feeling the way that you're feeling both about your sexuality, your identity, but then also typically about the faith that you've been raised in.
0: Something that you said at the very beginning about what Vine and Fig stands for, the people in which it includes, is the fact that you also mentioned relationships. And I think that's so important because when you are a young person who's discerning your queerness, discerning your spiritual journey, And you try to figure out about what the relationship part of your life will look like and how the church will look at that relationship. I love that there is an emphasis on making people know that the relationship is holy, that whatever they choose to do, whether they choose to be in a relationship or not, whether that's a sexual or romantic relationship or not, that it is all part of this faith journey that we're on to be able to have that. So if you could talk a little bit about that, because I love that you and your husband are very much a part of, of the mission and the the work that y'all do at Vine and Fig.
1: Yeah, I I know at least for myself, I often heard the message coming from the church that my desires for a romantic relationship were inherently disordered, that they were somehow an attack on the church, an attack on the culture, and that the relationship itself was an evil thing, truly evil, Um, and allowing Vine and Fig to be a space where uh, the broader church can see the beauty of our relationships, the goodness, and the ways in which it they're just normal relationships, they're not in any way um, some kind of faulty or broken version of a, a romantic relationship, is really important to what we do at Vine and Fig because We view our ministry, if you want to call it a ministry, just as much for queer people as it is for the broader church.
0: I think one of the biggest difficulties of trying to figure out our placement in the church is that, right? Is like somewhat in, for those who choose to incorporate the church in their journey and those who are just like, I'm going to be here. If the church wants to be a part of it, it could be a part of it. If not, see la vie. Um, and this kind of gets to something that you mentioned at the beginning about you're not fighting the church. This is not at all an attempt to tell the church you are wrong in this and be a little more um, activist in nature in it, even though there are some people who choose that direction. Talk about, about that and the emphasis of making sure that it is more uh, focused on stories than it is about doing the sort of act up work that we saw happen in the Catholic right. church several years ago.
1: And, and I want to be very clear how much respect and honor uh, that I hold for for those, uh, that, I guess, the more activist wing of uh, whether they're queer Catholics or just queer, queer activists. I think that is essential. On the other hand, uh, queer Catholics have always been a part of the church. They've always been there in the pews, working as, as priests, as nuns, as lay ministers, as teachers, um, homeless ministries, like every aspect of the church, there's always been queer people and often there's been queer relationships. And typically those are put in the shadows. There's a stigma associated with it. And there's an attempt within the church to pretend that those people don't actually exist there. All we're trying to do is bring it out of the shadows and just say, honey, we're already here. We just want to show you what we look like because we've been doing the work. We've been helping the church in all the ways that you are already doing and that the church has uh, grown to be this beautiful place of outreach to the world. And queer people have always been a piece of that.
0: Now, you have a very unique backstory with regards to your association with the Catholic Church. And it kind of goes to exactly what you were just saying about queer people have been around for a very long time. They've been ingrained within the, not only the Catholic system, but in our local parish systems. Um, So talk a little bit about your own journey and how it's very much kind of ingrained and rooted in, in the Catholic faith.
1: Yeah, queer people have always been there, but they've often had to wrestle with their relationship with the church in really unique ways that I think, the rest of the church doesn't fully appreciate when they just hear that you know the catholic church is standing up for traditional marriage quote unquote you know and they say oh that's a thing i can can support well what are the implications for the people who are going to be wrestling with that because they're outside of the box a little bit in their in their queerness so I, for me for example um i took my Catholicism very seriously, especially after high school, where I was um, feeling that I wanted to be involved in the Catholic Church in a big way. After I graduated high school, I had gone through a youth ministry that was really impactful on me. And pretty shortly after graduating, I joined the seminary. And when I look back on it, I think that was a there was a genuine sense of just wanting to serve and be involved in Catholicism. And I looked up to a lot of the priests in my life and saw a lot of goodness there. Um, but that morphed into a perfect place for a queer person to hide within the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And I know this is something that you often hear about uh, with just the priesthood in general, that it's a place where you have to be celibate. So you get to follow the church's kind of official teaching and rules. um, And no one will ask you about why you're celibate because it's just a given you're doing it because those are the rules. And so you never actually have to come to terms with your own queerness, your own emotions, your own sexuality and deeper feelings and longings because you're just a part of this group that has to, has to do it. Um, So I spent about three years there um, and finally came to a point where I was like, actually, I don't want to be a parish priest. Like, I don't want to just hear confessions and say daily mass. Like, that's not something that, that interests me. And nor do I kind of feel called to it on a deeper spiritual level. Um, So I became a a Catholic school teacher after that, um, which was a, I taught theology. It was a morality and social justice class. And as far as a job goes, like it was incredible. I loved it. I really had fun doing it. Even with juniors in high school. <laughs> what state were you doing this in? I was in Texas here, okay. here in Dallas, which is where I live now. And, but at the same time, it thrust me into a different category within the, the church to now where I was eligible bachelor comma Catholic high school teacher, which is like goldmine for all the parish moms who are trying to now set me up with their daughters and, you know, just friends who are like, okay, you've been out of the seminary for a little while, you're going to start dating or anything. And here I am just trying to be a good Catholic and struggling because I felt so out of place and did not in any way feel comfortable at the time sharing the honest, just being honest about my sexuality and why I wasn't dating. It's certainly, I don't know, maybe it's being in Texas, but there was a real assumption on my part that if I were to tell anybody, um, I would get like basically labeled as like a pervert, like a a weird person who shouldn't be around kids. Like there was enough of that deep sexuality, your sexuality is disordered, Message that I did not feel comfortable just being honest with people about. Well, here's the, actually the reason why I don't want to date your daughter. Um, because that's so, what the,
0: that was part of the political conversation at the time. Like we're the same generation. We know what we've had. We've heard people say with regards to queerness and with with regards to gay men in particular, especially in a very conservative state like Texas. Um, it makes sense that that's all of the things that you would be worried about.
1: Yeah, this was two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, and while that's not that long ago, it was it was a very different political environment and just social environment. Especially, I was in the suburbs where it was not uh, not okay to even really you know know gay people. Most people I knew refused to drink Starbucks because Starbucks supported gay marriage. You know, like it was. Oh my gosh! At a very deep visceral level, people were like, "This is a huge issue," and so I just shut my mouth. And, and would just spend my weekends like going to the lake and crying my eyes out because I Aww. just couldn't, uh, I, I just felt pulled in so many different directions. And, and it reached a point where I was like, this is unsustainable, even though this is kind of a dream job for me. I, I can't do it any longer. And I honestly, I felt myself drifting towards um, thoughts of self-harm and things like that and I was like this I like I know that can't be what God wants so I need to do something even more drastic and so I joined a religious order I I found a religious order that I had known for for many years that was um based in France and they uh took their vows of of poverty very seriously they um were kind of an old school order in that way that they they begged for all their food you truly sold all your possessions, said goodbye to your friends and family, never knew when you were going to see him again and moved to, to France to go join this religious order. And when I got there, the very first night I had this moment of, am I allowed to, to curse on you? Yeah, your of course. <laughs> okay. I truly, the very first, this is, you know, like the most pious I've ever been in my entire life. i have just joined a, a religious order in France. And I sit down in my cell, that first night, and i the only thought, the only prayer I had was, what the fuck have I done? Like, it was this sudden moment of clarity of, look how long I've been running away from my life, from who I really am. And this cannot possibly be the, the, my true vocation because it's not the real me. Like, this is a fake version of me that I'm trying to, to put forth in the world. And I uh, pretty quickly then asked for a meeting with the, this was after a couple of months, you know, I was like, well, maybe I had bad intentions in coming here, but that doesn't mean God can't use me. And after a couple of months, I was like, no, for real, this isn't, this isn't it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. So I sat down, I asked for a meeting with the, the head of the brothers and was like, Hey, honestly, I came here cause I'm gay and I'm, that terrifies me. And I just didn't know what to do. I've always liked this order, but like, I think it's time for me to go. And he was very, very compassionate about it. And he was like, I honestly, I understand why you would do that. Um, it's not some kind of big mistake or anything. I appreciate that you're being so honest. Give me a couple of days to pray about it. I'm gonna come back and um, I'll let you know. Cause I told him, he was like, you're free to go. But he was, I was like, well, I want to, I want to go with the, the order's blessing. I don't want it to just be me running away. And so he came back a couple of days later. He's like, yeah, I think it's the right decision. I think, you know, it is time for you to go. So I came back and landed in the United States. And now I had tried all three options that the Catholic church gives cisgendered men to deal with their sexuality in a kind of quote unquote uh, appropriate way, which is like, I tried the priesthood, I tried just living as a single celibate guy and I tried a religious order. And all three, I came to a very sincere conclusion that it's, it doesn't work. Like that's not where I'm supposed to be. So now I had a true crisis of faith because what, it, I, I've done everything that you want, God. What do you, like how, how is this fair, A, B, okay, honestly, what am I supposed to do? And so I tried to get myself to a place where I was like, I just need to get back to the gospel basics of caring for other people, putting other people first, and see what happens. See if I basically want to stay Catholic. So I, there was a um, when I was teaching, um, there was a community, a uh, an orphanage basically in Honduras that. Um, I had gone down to previously with the high school and it was in Trujillo, Honduras and um, they have two year terms for volunteers. And so I signed up and I went down there and I was like, I'm gonna give it two years to basically sort out my sexuality, get out of the United States, get out of the culture wars and everything. And also just try and put myself in a position where every day I can put other people first in a very concrete way and just love on them and see how I feel about my faith afterwards.
0: And this entire time, like, was anybody privy to any of the internal struggles that you were dealing with? Or was this something that you chose to kind of handle on your own?
1: When I went down there, I made a decision to start being extremely honest. And so that was the moment when I started telling all my friends who didn't a handful of friends knew already, but um, told the rest of my friends, uh, and I told everybody down there as well, like, Hey, I'm gay. Um, figuring it out exactly what that means for me and all that. And everyone was super supportive. And in addition to just the daily life at uh, in orphanage in Honduras, I also did a deep dive into um, Catholicism, basically, basically, and especially around the teachings of, of, of sexuality. And I, I, Put together basically because I'm a nerd at heart, like a 20 page uh, document, it completely analyzing all the church's teachings and the history of the church's teachings on sexuality, and then tried to pick it apart. And there were parts that I found, you know, were, were good points. And then there was a lot that I found that was, had a lot more holes in it than I had originally thought when I just took it as a given of this is the Catholic church, what the Catholic church teaches. Therefore, as a Catholic, you have to believe it. Um, And so once I got deeper into it, I was like, there's a lot to the church and this life that I've been given that I really appreciate, but this isn't one of them. And so I disagree. And I think I'm at a place where I'm okay with that. I'm okay with disagreeing and, and having a little bit of dissonance in my life and a little bit of uh, tension in my faith there, in my relationship with the church. And so when I finished my two years, I came back and I started dating and, and doing the things that um, you would have expected I would have done, you know, when I graduated high school all those years ago, that was um, basically learning to be my, my true self for the first time.
0: I think one of the most exciting parts about hearing your story, especially from a Catholic point of view, is the idea of the amount of work you put into it to figure out what your faith meant. And everybody has their own you know, respective tasks in order to make sure that they can do that. Um, Mine obviously looked a little bit different than how you decided to approach yours. And I think there's such a beauty in that because you even though there was a part of you that wasn't true to yourself because of the idea of masking the sexuality in a way that protected you, but you were still doing what you needed to do as a spiritual being trying to figure out what your place in the world was, what your place under God was. And there's something so incredibly commendable about that. And I think that few people have had the opportunity to, as you said, figure out if either one of the vocations that have been outlined for us is actually something that's right for you. And I'm curious about kind of after coming back, after having gone through such a whirlwind of of a Catholic experience, trying to see where you fit in it. Was it it, was there more positive feelings towards Catholicism than negative? Even though you know you came back to a society that was trying to use religious ideas um, over the past few years. This idea of religious freedom being used to um, discriminate against queer folks, being used to to make us feel less than, like, how, how was coming back to the States after that time off? Uh, how did it impact kind of where you felt like you belonged?
1: Yeah, and you know, as you were describing the, the, the kind of the overall arc of my wrestling with my faith, the one thing that I was thinking about that I would go back and change is not the the effort that I put into it, not the time that I put into it, but rather the, the 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 silence that I put into it. That amount of time that I thought I couldn't tell anybody, I couldn't talk about it, I couldn't share my fears about my desires, and I definitely couldn't share my fears about what that meant about faith and everything. Like so much of it was just like me, my journal, my prayers, and God. Like just really feeling like I truly am alone in this and it's shameful to talk about it. I think things might have gone differently if I had been more transparent about it with, even if it was just a couple of close friends and stuff. um, I don't know that they would have, but I know that the journey would have been less of a lonely one if, if I had just allowed other people in. And that's the thing that I really, I regret. With, among kind of all that time is the amount that I spent thinking I'm the only one <laughs> that's going through this and I can't talk to any, I can't lean on anybody.
0: Because um, it's always a mixture of two things, right? Like a lot of us experience the explicit signals from people around us, whether it's the rhetoric we hear from the people around us, snide remarks, microaggressions, but also just what we inherently tell ourselves because of what we've known to be true in the years that we've been associated with the church. So even if somebody doesn't have to, doesn't say anything to us, like, Hey, you know, being gay is whatever they can say about it. Like we have been told over and over and over again, whether in our catechism classes, whether at the pulpit from our priests, that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, you know, it's not Adam and Eve, Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. Like, just these little tiny things that stick with us that really make us think that silence is the only option.
1: Yeah. And and for me, it was equal parts, those messages from the the church as well as the messages from the people around me, just kind of in the culture of not only just is it theologically wrong, but it's gross. It's Mm. like the, the amount of times I would hear people make, you know, say there was a same-sex couple in a commercialers, because this is about the time that we did start to see a lot more characters on TV and things like that, that were uh, at least gay men. Um, And so there was a little bit more of a a sense that it's a real thing out there. These are real uh, people. But whenever they were shown to the people around me, there was a lot of disgust and a lot of um, "I don't want anything like that around me. And so my natural takeaway from that was, if I were to tell anybody, they wouldn't want me around them. And And so there was a real sense of, you know, how could I possibly share my life, my true personhood with anybody, because I'll be be shunned and alone, and so just keep it bottled up inside. Um, but to get back to your question of basically when I returned from, from Honduras and now I've become a lot more um,
0: acclimated to the, the way society was at the time.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, I knew one, I needed to get out of Texas. Like I needed to just get to a space where I could be myself and not be worried every day about how people are gonna be reacting. So I moved up to to Seattle um, and that's where I ended up meeting my husband pretty shortly after arriving. Um, So that was a piece of it. Um, I also had the incredible gift of trying to rediscover my Catholicism in Honduras, which is a place that has deep roots of social justice and activism within its Catholicism. Um, And so I was educated so much down there about this other side of, of the Catholic church that isn't just about um, fighting the culture war and is about helping people in their everyday lives and creating a better society uh, for all people, especially the most marginalized um, that I knew was out there, but I, I hadn't experienced it before. And so I was able to lean heavily into this side of the faith that I had no real experience with previously. And so when I got involved up in, in Seattle in the church, it was uh, because of this this um, social justice side of, of the, the church that felt very at home to me now. Um, so I, I didn't have... Um, so much uh, anger, frustration, feeling of displacement that I did previously within the church um, and was able to find a, a, real, a real home uh, within the church there.
0: Let's focus on this idea of home because I really love talking about this with other queer folks, especially because many of us do not feel like the church in and of itself is a place where we can call home um, much like a lot of us who have had to deal with unsupported families, thankfully that hasn't been the case for me. I pray that that hasn't been the case for you, that you know, they are not welcome there the same way they're not welcome at the church because of whatever things that they've encountered in their respective parishes. So talk about this journey of finding the home and, and being comfortable with labeling it as home and maybe even having conversations with your husband about whether or not it is your all's home together.
1: Yeah, so the, ir- the ironic thing is that uh, when my husband and I first started dating, separate from me, he was beginning to investigate becoming Catholic and was um, beginning to kind of test the waters about do I want to join RCIA and things like that. And so it was a, a trip for me because I had basically you know, almost left Catholicism, came back to this very different version of Catholicism. And then, am now showing up with my husband at RCIA, or, you know, at the time, just this guy that I'm dating at RCIA classes and um, was kind of teaching him Catholicism, which it, you know, for me was this, I, I used to teach RCIA classes. Like this is a, it felt like a really uh, deep part of my old life that I had kind of left behind. I never imagined I'd be teaching RCIA classes again. And now here I am doing it with my future husband. And so it was this beautiful sense of, yeah, actually there's these pieces of my old life that had become kind of traumatizing to me, coming back and, and, starting to, like you said, feel like home again, starting to feel like a place that I felt really comfortable exploring, explaining, and uh, just letting them become a part of my everyday life again, which is, you know, not a terrible definition of, of home, just the, kind of the rhythms of, of everyday life. And we, Seattle also had, um, we would go to the cathedral, um, for mass. And after one of the masses, there was always a group of queer people that would meet for, you know, everybody goes over for coffee and donuts. And there was a table for the queer people just unofficially that would gather there. And that for me was this beautiful sense of like, we, we, we have a seat at the table here. It Mm -hmm. may not be an official ministry or anything like that, but there was a, a very tangible sense of like, Oh, we do belong here. Like we, we usually, you know, we're in the pews and we don't know who each other are, but increasingly within the Catholic church, there's a visible place for us and a, a space that we can get to know each other as, 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 as family, both in the queer sense and in this church sense.
0: I think the exciting part about, because I was very lucky to be a part of an LGBTQ ministry when I was living in New York and it's still a part of it, but I love that home can be anything, especially now in this age of COVID, it can be a digital space. Vine and Fig is very much a home for a lot of people who are still trying to figure out um, what they want to do with regards to the relationship with the church. And so I want to give you this opportunity to kind of let people know how they can follow the work that you all do um, and just, Give them a sense as to what they can expect. Cause not too long ago, there was this queer 101 series that they all launched that I think would be very helpful for those who are still struggling with figuring out even what their sexual or gender identity is.
1: Yeah. And and thank you for your, your contribution to that queer 101 series, because it's it's really fantastic. Definitely what we do at Vine and Pig is try and be a place for queer people to come both to wrestle with their. Catholicism to, to try and figure out if you have a place within the Catholic Church. By no means are we trying to convince anybody to stay Catholic. If you realize if, if you come to a realization that Catholicism isn't for you, we are so supportive of that and, and are, are totally fine uh, with that. And but if you do find that there's still some some kind of queer bones rattling around in your in your body and you want to find a a, a place for them, uh vine is our our website and we try and have uh, we have Sunday uh, reflections on the gospel based on written by queer people and often uh, incorporating queer themes. We have this queer 101 series which is for folks with in the church um, both queer and not queer who are, you know, often hearing within uh, news and, and everywhere else, a lot of terminology around queer people that may be a little bit foreign. And so it's a, an attempt to kind of explain what queerness is and all the different uh, queer terms, cisgender and things like that, that a lot of people within the church have never heard before or truly don't understand. And that's totally understandable. So we try to um, explain it for a Catholic audience. And then there's also our our Slack community, which is a place to just get to know other queer people. You can do it with your your real name or anonymously. It's a safe place to go and just ask questions and, and laugh and tell stories, share what's going on in your life. It's a really beautiful place to be able to bring all of yourself, even if you're still figuring it out.
0: Well, I highly recommend to our listeners, please be sure to just visit the website and visit them on social media. You can also visit us at social media at Tehore, H-E-Y-X-O-R-J-E. But Pat, this has been so much fun. And I want to end by saying, peace be with you. And also with you.